Hello, you're listening to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. In this episode, I want to talk about something even more melodious than my voice. That's the value of soundtracks, specifically 2020 or 2019 TV shows and their theme tunes. We open the episode with the theme from The Mandalorian, which has rapidly become one of my favourite pieces of music. After listening to it for the 80th time, I tried to interrogate why I like this so much. Um, I am a Star Wars fan, but I'm not a huge Star Wars fan in the way, you know, fanboys can be about properties. I've watched all the films and I like 4, 5 and 6. I also like the newer ones. I don't really like 1, 2 and 3, but I absolutely love The Mandalorian. So I thought maybe this piece of music is so moving and replayable because it represents the show because the mandalorian is that easy good comforting show that we kind of know exactly what it stands for in a world where people aren't standing for much at the moment then i was like as we'll get into further on in the episode it's possible to absolutely love a tv show and despise its theme I'm a big fan of Ludwig Göransson, which I think I've mentioned on the podcast previously, particularly in our Tenet episodes. And there's something about visual images that his soundtracks bring to mind, even outside of watching them as part of a TV show or film. I think this theme is... A work of freaking genius. It's hummable, it feels kind of cool, and it's a multi layered piece of music which utilizes traditional Star Wars tones and notes and all of John Williams' amazing work and still manages to add something new and topical, current to the tune, even though. Technically, the TV show, if we're looking at space as having the same calendar as we do on Earth, as being set in the 80s, 90s, because it's between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Back to that multi-layering. So you have the beginning is a recorder, which probably speaks to me as a person who did play the recorder quite badly when I was younger and then you have these other instruments come in so the recorder to me and the kind of pan pipey sound is more Ewoks and then you have this beautiful chime of what sounds like a triangle and the drums come in which kind of gives a weird strange planet feel and then there's a a guitar And then we get these kind of pompous tuba trumpet sounds. Which seem to be, this is important, what I'm doing as a Mandalorian. And because Goranson never lets you get bored, then you get the big epic, we've done something great. And yeah, we're all celebrating for a bit. This is great, this is glorious, but then we're reminded that there's still work to be done with the child. And then the very best thing about this theme is it ends. It actually ends. 
You'll probably be realising by now that there's an elephant in the room. A white elephant. A white male elephant. Ludwig Goransson, named after Ludwig van Beethoven, is quite a privileged guy. He got to go to USC, which is a prestigious and very cool college in America with a very good drama and creative arts program and there he met Ryan Coogler and you may know him from Fruitvale Station, Creed, Black Panther, lots of great films and they collaborated, they made short films together, they saw each other's genius and worked together and then they also worked with Donald Glover on some of his work and between the three of us they have made some fantastic content but they've also been able to help each other in the industry. Goranson has clearly got to where he is based on merit. He's a genius. But also, he knew the right people. He met the right people at the right time. They all came up together. There was some alchemy. Um, I'm glad he was able to help men of colour, although I'm not entirely sure they needed him when they're geniuses like Googler and Glover. Um, And they then repaid the favour to one another throughout their careers and continue to do so. It made me think that is there hidden brilliance out there for female composers where they're not meeting someone who will become their friend at college or in the workplace which means they don't develop those relationships in order to bring out their best work and bring it to a wider audience but of course there are female composers out there i'm sure you know lots and i know some too but i can definitely reel off the names of more male composers. The figures are promising, but not very good in terms of industry representation. Uh, The PRS for Music, which deals with performance rights and royalties for musicians and composers, recently released figures that said that there has been a 60% rise in 2019 of women registering at the PRS so trying to get their music out there so they can claim royalties uh, and get some money for their music being used in the media so that sounds like quite a dramatic figure however in the UK at least only 18.4% of the composers registered with the PRS even after this big jump are women I don't know who those 0.4 are I'm not entirely sure they broke it down in terms of those composers who may identify as non-binary. I will put a link in the show notes to an article by Sync Tank, S-Y-N-C-H Tank, about uh, female composers in film and TV. It's a really interesting article and I don't really want to paraphrase it here because I think you should click the link. However, I will highlight um, one of the websites that the article mentions, which is She Said So. And the URL is shesaid.so, which I think is cool, which is a body profiling gender minorities in the music industry. And that's really great that that's been set up if you want to take a look at that. What started me on this episode and deciding to focus this way was a tweet. It's always a tweet. And this tweet did something which wounded me very deeply, which involved casually slating a song from a soundtrack for a TV show, which I love so dearly, and was written by women. 
Music is very subjective, but I wonder if there is some gender bias hidden in there somewhere. This is the song. I hope you like it because I love it. Rest and ride along with girl talk with along came this song. When the white wolf fought a silver tongued devil, his army all outside, its hooves did they rebel. Do you know what it is yet? It's a song I've played more than any other, perhaps this year, and sang it very loudly at home with the beautiful voice of actor and singer Joey Beatty. Those who listen regularly to the podcast will know I absolutely adore The Witcher from a wonderful showrunner, Lauren Schmidt, Hiss Rich. Um, It's a show I watched twice in a row over Christmas last year and the song Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, which is sung a few times and is kind of the unofficial soundtrack, it's not the actual soundtrack of The Witcher, um, is written by Sonia Belasova and Giona Ostinelli. I hope I said the names correctly. Um, and I was just so offended by a piece of music that I love, which makes me so happy being just casually dissed by someone saying it's annoying. And I have to face the fact that music is very, very subjective and it isn't necessarily based on gender whether you're going to like something or not, because a lot of the music I'm going to play in this episode is written by men. But I'm not entirely sure how much access I've had to soundtrack scores or songs written by women. Especially if you look at those PRS numbers, that's only going to extrapolate across the world that there aren't as many women out there composing soundtracks, let alone being allowed to use them in big scale Netflix TV shows. So here's Pouring one out for Lauren Schmidt Hissridge and for Sonia and Giona. I love this song. Now, I don't know this for certain, but it is interesting that a female showrunner has picked female composers for her music. And I definitely think that whether we like it or not, there is usually a camaraderie and friendship between same sex people that isn't the same as between men and women. Men might want to work with other men, women might want to work with other women. It's not the way it should be, but it is the way it is. If we have more female showrunners, chances are we're going to have more female crew in all sorts of departments, including in music. As a quick aside, I am showing my boyfriend The West Wing. Uh, He's never watched it before, and this is about my fourth time. Uh, 
gotta love Aaron Sorkin and trust me it just gets worse and worse for the sexism and (laughs) racism when you keep watching the West Wing but in his first time I wanted to try and keep my opinions to myself because I do love the sentiment of that show and it's a really good show to watch in the current times um uh, Lauren Schmidt Hissrich cut her teeth on that show she wrote on it definitely towards later seasons and while we were watching some pretty stressful episodes in season two my boyfriend pointed out that the end theme music of the west wing isn't very suitable for the serious subject matter let me set the scene we've watched an episode where the president of i think a fictional african country comes to discuss medical supplies because of the outbreak of HIV and AIDS in his country with pharmaceutical companies. And then, spoiler alert, after some dealings where he's desperately trying to help his country get cheaper medication, there is a coup in his country while he's in America at the White House. And then when he tries to go home, he is assassinated. And then this is what you hear straight after knowing that. That's not right, is it? Even toss a coin to your witcher had a little bit more of a sense of time and place. So, definitely, ending themes, beginning themes, soundtracks, very important in setting the mood. It just occurred to me, it's not a triangle, is it? It's a glockenspiel. Or, as I said when I was a kid, an ex-xylophone. Geno is a xylophone. Which, as another aside, reminds me of the episode of The Crown, this year's season, where the Queen says Billy Joel, and everyone mocks her. And I think Peter Morgan put that episode in because... That's what us uninitiated Brits were calling Billy Joel at the time. And it took many years for me to realise I was not saying his name properly. Segwaying from The Crown, a British TV show, to two more British TV shows, which have themes that I believe they use in different ways and one more successfully than the other. This part of the episode is about the annoyance and irritation in repetition and how it is possible to avoid that. There's kind of an unwritten rule when you have tons of money and you're making a Anglo-American, soon-to-be-watched worldwide, massive series. Like The Mandalorian and like this... This tune has so many layers, it's really long and it goes up and down telling the story smoothly yet sometimes pairing back the music. Sometimes building to a crescendo and I think it works fabulously. Oh, and did I mention, it also has Latin lyrics. A brand new tune full of Latin lyrics. I'm no Latin scholar. The lyrics go, 
Tisaurus immortalis Odiantarus pisses Insipiti parvuli Something like that. And apparently insipiti parvuli, which probably isn't said like that, it means begin children. I like that. But I've got some lyrics um, for the actual tune, which go like this. This is a tale, a tale of Lyra. She needs help from Will and from a polar bear. I'll be releasing that monstrosity on all major record labels on the 12th of Never. So I'd look out for that. So that is the theme to His Dark Materials, written by Lorne Balf, who is a man and is Scottish and did an excellent job at creating something which was just as good as any other modern classical music that tells this very grand tale of the multiverse of the fight between religion and science which is perfectly captured by those choral latin elements and again, like The Mandalorian, it really is the essence of the show. And it does get repeated through episodes, but only small portions and small bits at the right part. It's mostly the um, beginning theme and the ending. And it's the same as Mandalorian in the sense that when I can see that the episode is getting to the end, I'm excited to then hear the theme tune over the credits while I digest what's happened. And that's when I think... A tune can be big and somehow not overshadow the visuals and the whole plot of the TV show in question. I will now compare this to another soundtrack from another TV show produced by the BBC, which is called Roadkill. And it was a four-parter. Whereas His Dark Materials is a continuing series and it has three books to draw from. And I'm sure Roadkill has less money and it's a completely different kind of limited series. And there might be a sequel, but it's basically a piece of music was created for this one-off program. And it's not a terrible piece of music. It gets absolutely stuck in my head. But like something that you don't want to keep humming again and again and again in the shower... This piece of music is used in every single episode, every two minutes, and it just started to drive me bonkers. I'm being completely unfair on this music because it does vary it changes it adds in other instruments it it moves to a flat i think or a sharp i'm not very good at my piano but um you know what i mean it's like it's driving me crazy so congratulations, Harry Escott, who is the composer and has made some really brilliant work because you have completely personified how I feel about Hugh Laurie's character, Peter, in this show, which is um, a political satire by David Hare, 
and the character is so annoying and so repetitive and always playing the game against everyone and that's what the theme tune does. I'm just not so sure I want to be annoyed by theme tunes. Quickly before I start talking about the tunes that delight me, I want to introduce you to the worst sound of 2020 and it isn't because this person can't sing, it's because this tune makes absolutely no sense in relation to the programme that it's supposed to represent. Are you ready for this? Okay, I have to stop it there because it makes my ears bleed. Nicole Kidman, I love you. The Undoing, you've riveted me. I cannot wait for the last episode, but this tune is just horrible. I love that song. It's a nice song. It doesn't fit at all with the concept of this show. So watch The Undoing is my advice and try and ignore the horrible song. You can tell Kidman doesn't even want to do it. She was reluctant. I read that and you can hear it in the voice, but also it's just, it's not a theme. It's just a silly old song that doesn't make sense for this incredibly great show. Okay, I got that out of my system. Now for some things I love. Now this is something completely different and I like the idea that it challenges the boundaries of what a score might be that's written for 2020. This is the theme for the show Betty by Asuka Matsuya and it's got this really funky almost Blade Runner 2049 drive, don't know, Ryan Gosling film aspect of using synthesizer instead of violin to get that sound. It's punchy, it's of a time, it really recreates the world that this is set in, which is like modern New York teenage skateboarders. So it obviously has this 80s vibe, which has obviously come around again, is now what everyone's into. But instead of having a sense of threat, like the soundtrack for something like Stranger Things, it has a positivity. It reminds me of a lot of music I like from actually 10 years ago, like M83 and MGNT, obviously bands that are just M acronyms. Um, it just feels, I can feel sunshine in the music. There's also a little Kubrickian kind of big bass line. So I'm guessing a trombone underscoring it. But ultimately, it's these higher positive tones. Betty's Great Show. It's made by female showrunner Crystal Moselle. And I highly recommend it. You should get a feel of what it's like from this music. Now, this next song might be considered cheating a bit because it is a song and not really a theme, but it is used at the end theme of a popular and successful TV show made this year, which makes me smile. It's not lost on me that this is not dissimilar to Betty. 
but um, I'm obviously craving this kind of upbeat, melodic, ethereal dance music. Anyway, take a listen and see what you think. I didn't know where to come back in then because I was enjoying myself so much dancing to it. This is the end theme from Never Have I Ever, which is a show by Mindy Kaling and uh, everyone should watch it. And the song is by a singer-songwriter called Kids at Midnight, also a woman, and is called Boys Like You and is absolutely perfect for this show and is a song in itself. So that's two excellent pieces of music that are used as themes written by women for women showrunner TV shows. So I think my theory of gender playing a part might actually be coming to fruition. I started to think about whether I could find any modern, more classical pieces written by women. And to be honest, I struggled a bit for 2019-2020. What I did find is a collaboration, and that's something which obviously happens with soundtracks and scores. Um, this is a score that I think is very dramatic. Um, I, I, I wasn't blown away by the show. I watched it. But um, I like the idea that two minds invented this, one male, one female. It's dramatic, right? Um, I'm going to show you something even more dramatic after this. Um, this is the theme tune to Little Fires Everywhere, written and composed by Isabella Summers and Mark Isham. And it's a dramatic theme. It, it does what it says on the tin. It, it does evoke the sense of fire. And so, therefore, um, I'm all for collaboration in getting something which depicts the show. Unlike The Undoing. So now for what people are calling the best show of the year, I wanted to just talk about the soundtrack. I could talk about the show all the time. I personally, controversially, do not think this is the best show of the year. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed some performances more than others. And I actually thought the episodes were too long. But whenever I've spoken to friends and colleagues, people shout me down and say you're crazy this is the best ever and I think from the 65 million or whatever it is Netflix downloads um I am in the minority I did like it I did like the characterization and I really enjoyed the sense of drama which 
completely comes out in this theme. This is the main title from The Queen's Gambit, which you might have already guessed. And it's just wonderful, isn't it? It's got everything in it, this sweeping melodrama. In fact, it's possibly even more dramatic than the show is, because I suppose we are talking about one amazing woman's life and chess. We're not talking about the topics of discussion in the West Wing. But um, it's to have something this year that feels so classic and complete is a real treat for us. This theme is written by Carlos Rafael Rivera and he has worked with the showrunners Scott Frank and Alan Scott from Queen's Gambit uh, before. He also worked on Godless and he's done a few other things. So again, we have people who have worked together again, but I really feel like he was able to go wild on this and create something spectacular. As they say... Now for something completely different. This is the main theme from Devs and is written by the Insects. Um, not actually written by Insects, but two guys called Tim Norfolk and Bob Locke, who have worked with Alex Garland, who made Devs previously and have also made a lot of um, like natural history documentary music, which I think works perfectly with this. Um, I wanted to end on something where... And the music fulfills you internally, uh, also makes you philosophise and also speaks to something that we can't quite grasp onto, which is the essence of devs. Um, and I have mentioned a lot of male composers here. You might be thinking, well, this is beyond Bechdel and Contrera likes to talk about women all the time. But what you may not have noticed is that practically all of the shows that I've mentioned here have a female lead and focus on female stories. I'm not the kind of person who says that no men can work on any projects, but it has lifted my heart to see the effort that has gone into making these stories with female characters, even if the crew are of varying gender and demographic makeup um, maybe by watching devs we can all think a little bit more about what our place is in the world what we can do and also appreciate the beauty of modern soundtracks 2020 may have been a year 
that people want to forget. But I want to remind everybody that some absolutely fantastic and moving TV shows and films have come out this year which have put female stories at the centre and I will always be grateful for that. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Beyond Bechdel. We'll speak to you soon. Bye.